on 2FM. Sponsored by Dove Men Plus Care. Upgrade to Dove Men Advanced Deodorant and Body Wash. Let the confidence last. Game on. Weeknights from 6. On 2FM. Big thanks to Andrew and Afric. It is Friday the 26th of January and you're listening to Game On. Coming up today, we're live to Anfield on the day Jurgen Klopp shocks all Liverpool fans. I will leave the club at the end of the season. I can understand that it's uh, a shock for a lot of people in this moment when you hear it the first time. And um, But obviously I can explain it, or at least try to explain it. Um, it is that I'm running out of energy. I'm absolutely fine now, but I um, know that I cannot do the job again and again and again and again. And after all the years we had together and after all the time we spent together and after all the things we went through together, the respect grew for you, the love grew for you and the least thing I owe you is the truth and that's the truth. Fergal Brennan and Paul Curry are standing by to discuss that, plus the latest on conflicting reports about Lee Carsley and the Irish job. In Gaelic football, Austin O'Malley sets up for throwing in the Allianz League, plus Stephen Higgins and Jane Mangan are with us to talk tennis and racing. If you want to get in touch, you can text us on 51552, we're on X at Game on 2FM, or you can WhatsApp us on 087 187 9200. Game on on 2FM. Now, welcome along. Uh, Paul Corey and Austin O'Malley are here in studio. I think we've all spent the last six hours trying to digest the Jurgen Klopp news. Paul Corey, it's not often that uh, sports fans get caught on the hop, but today was definitely one of those days. Everybody was, weren't they? Yeah, the journalists as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it just came out of the blue and nobody expected it. I mean, first and foremost, the fact that, that Klopp is, is leaving Liverpool, the timing of it is, has caught everybody on the hop, but also given the form of the team over the last couple of months, maybe last year when things looked a little flat, the, the squad looked flat, Klopp looked flat, you might have suggested that maybe then it may have happened. But the fact that they seem to be regalvanised and re-energised mm. and they've shown, shown such good form over the last couple of weeks, it comes as a major shock. So um, I can understand it in one sense, Marie, just because of the constant battle how tiring and draining that must be to be a top level manager and you know Manchester City and Liverpool have drawn, drawn, driven each other on for the last number of years but I don't think anybody particularly anybody at Liverpool saw coming Austin from a performance perspective and you could hear it actually in his voice there just yeah. going I'm so tired like it's rare that you get a manager to be that human almost. Yeah, look, it's and I suppose and it's it's a it's it's a snapshot probably into the way he manages and leads his life and it's it was interesting when he used the word energy and obviously he's such a connector he's so charismatic and that's what he brings to every job and he's you know he's 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 in that game for 24 years but the you know the fact that he's you know you know it's almost like the 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 beautiful break up there in terms of you know the the love grew together the respect grew together mm-hmm. and all that he's given so much of himself um and I, I i just think we know in the world of high performance that like energy is the currency mm-hmm. that's that's mm-hmm. that's the most valuable and what he's given out and put into that in terms of 
of you know connecting with a team and rebuilding a team connecting with a fan base and if you just look at the amount of energy the man gives out even on game day you know he, you know, he, he really brings every mm-hmm. piece of himself to it and um, he's probably just got some internal signals himself that it's time to just pull back mm-hmm. build the emotional battery back up again and, and go again he's leaving them in a, a really good solid place in terms of they've transitioned mm-hmm. out of that kind of dip they went last year and kind of you know if you're succession planning in a business or something now probably is the right time to, to go he puts so much into every game doesn't he yeah he and, does and yeah. if you think like yeah. over the last number of years in particular like they've gone deep in pretty much every competition that they've been mm-hmm. involved in and when you're playing Champions League at that level and you're, you're pushing City in the Premier League it's Saturday, Tuesday Saturday, Wednesday Saturday, Tuesday the, the preparation that goes into games at the top level the energy that goes into the actual game itself then you're having the debrief then you're getting ready for the next game like when you compound that over time like that must take so much out of you and the fact that himself and Pep Guardiola have been able to do it for so long it's just a huge credit to the both of them Fergal Brennan journalist uh, in Liverpool is with us on the line as well Fergal I know you're out speaking to some fans we're going to play that in just a minute but just for you first as a journalist who's on the beat at all the Jurgen Klopp press conferences was there any inkling on the ground that this was going to happen? None whatsoever. Uh, I was at his press conference this afternoon and, and before he came in, that was the conversation going on between every journalist in the room and including some that are far more seasoned than me, um, journalists that have covered Liverpool for 20, 30 years, absolutely nonplussed by it. Um, obviously dropping on Twitter and then it just spread like wildfire and kind of the initial reaction was, is this a joke? Is this for real? Is this just a rumour? Uh, and then obviously the official word coming through. Um, no, nobody, nobody expected this from any conversation that I've had with journalists this afternoon from um, supporters that I've been speaking to at Anfield here this afternoon everybody is is in an absolute state of shock um, particularly given the timing of it this, this was something that was possibly mooted at the start of the season when he was asked about what could he do next was he confident that after some pretty key exits could he revive Liverpool could he go again could he put the challenge up to Pep Guardiola and Manchester City given how brilliantly Liverpool have performed so far this season the notion was that that had been kind of pushed to the back that he was that he was ready for this again he was refreshed there was a huge amount on the table for them going into 2024 I think this just goes back to the idea that this is something that's been on his mind for some time and yes Liverpool are doing brilliantly well and he's front row and centre of all of that but he he's, he's a person that certainly gives off the, the vibe that once he's made up his mind that's the way he wants to do it and that certainly seems to be the case OK, well, you were out and about speaking to fans a little bit earlier. Let's hear from some of those. Huge news from Liverpool today that Jurgen Klopp will be leaving the club at the end of the season. As a fan here today at Anfield, your reaction? I'm just gutted, heartbroken. He's, uh, he's been so different to anybody that we've ever had in my lifetime and even the older boys' lifetimes. He's just done so much for the club. The players are supported by him. I don't know what's going to happen when he goes. Jabby Alonso is the name that's being mentioned as a potential successor at this stage. There's not really a lot to work on. Enormous pair of shoes to be filled, but somebody will be coming in to take over the team next season. Absolutely. Um, I'd take him in a heartbeat. So obviously huge news today here at Anfield. Your response? I think it's very shocking uh, news, but we'll see who will come uh, as a new manager. Obviously Xabi Alonso, former Liverpool midfielder, is the number one name that's being mentioned as a potential candidate to replace him. There are other options. Who do you think could potentially be stepping in next season? I really would like to see Xabi Alonso back in the Liverpool, but we'll see who will come. What's your reaction? 
shocked as everybody else. Um, I, I loved him uh, from the beginning uh, because of his uh, the way the play, uh, team plays uh, and the intensity, and uh, he gave it everything. So uh, it's been uh, yeah. Even though they didn't win every game, you could see at once that something was going on, and we, you you got the belief that this is the right guy. Yeah. And his message, obviously, for the rest of the season is there's four trophies to be won. Don't make the situation about him. Focus on the games and go out and give everything. What do you think Liverpool can do between now and the end of the season? No, they are in a good place now. They look uh, look good. And uh, not only the key players, because many of them have been injured. So And now all the other lads are stepping up. So uh, it's impressive. I, I look forward to the rest of the season. I think it's going to be a good one. So some fans there speaking to you on the ground a little bit earlier, Fergal. Just in general, was there huge shock around Liverpool? Yeah, um, to be perfectly honest, supporters in and around Anfield, it was it was few and far between um, today. But just conversations primarily at the press conference to with journalists who who are speaking to fans, and there's a lot of fan channels and um, fan-led media that were there. They are obviously a bit more in touch with with the huge element of the Liverpool supporter base and and that word again just keeps coming around shock mm-hmm. um both over the timing both over the the actual decision from Klopp to to step away at the end of the season i think as the dust starts to settle in, in the next few days obviously they play Norwich in the FA Cup on Sunday the message will be similar to to what Klopp said himself today which is leave everything out there don't make this about me between now and the end of the season go for everything give everything there's a huge amount on the table for Liverpool to potentially win between now and, and the end of the campaign and that will be something that he will be stating and shouting from the rooftops in every press conference between now and the end of the season um, and I it's very interesting to see how this now potentially changes the narrative of the title race, the FA Cup, the Europa League. Um, obviously, the Europa League is, is the only title that he's not won as Liverpool manager. Um, I think it will be fascinating to see the reaction of his players because they don't know anything else other than playing for Liverpool under him. All those, uh, in, in terms of their time at Liverpool, I mean, he has built this team, he's built this squad, he's put his mark on the team, on the club. Um, it's enormous just just due to his relationship and his sheer importance right the way through everything that goes on at Liverpool Football Club and the changes that are incoming will be massive Fergal why now why in the middle of the season why um, in January is he making this announcement I think again it goes back to this idea that there will have been conversations in the summer Uh, he also indicated that there's conversations in November as well with club officials with the ownership with his own backroom staff um, about his position on this and and I think effectively that's what it is he's he's reiterated his point that at the start of the season he was having doubts about his energy levels to go again Uh, one of the big jump out quotes from from today is that he said he, he can't do it on three wheels his his management style is built on energy and relationships and I think there that's very very true in terms of the way that he operates and the way that he manages the team this is not something that he's woken up a few days ago and decided I, I think this is a decision that was made in the summer and regardless of how well Liverpool are doing this season I think this is something that he's wanted to do he's had on his mind um, it's obviously strange that he's as you say taken this opportunity now to make the announcement and put it on the back burner to the end of the season but this is clearly something that he he has been planning and he has been looking at and 
maybe the fact that Liverpool are performing so well this season he's able to look at it from the perspective of well I'm handing over a team that's ready to go whoever comes in and replaces me I'm not giving them a team where they have just raw materials to work with they've got a proven team that can challenge for trophies and I can step away and ensure that Liverpool's level won't dip as much as maybe he thought they would if he'd gone in the summer I think to build on that as well I think the relationship that Klopp has with the owners the players the fans he probably felt that once he'd made that decision it was you know his responsibility mm. to actually break that news you know the way the rumour mill starts with these things mm. and maybe if it crept out into the media and it, and it got about that way maybe it wouldn't sit so well with them so maybe he felt a certain responsibility to the club to actually you know announce this yeah and Paul I'd imagine as well that like we're now in January of this season like it's going to end soon enough so they need to plan for the next season so that probably comes into play as well and he's not going to be doing that well that's true yeah and listen Liverpool have, have are when you look at kind of the clubs in the Premier League they're probably one of the more efficient it seems kind of their transfer policy and their recruitment policy seems to be really good you don't ever hear of Liverpool being linked to players and then the deal just seems to happen the next day um, and yeah that succession plan but listen the, the club will continue and a lot of the people at you know director level and people in recruitment will remain I understand that Klopp's staff will go mm-hmm. but yeah that succession plan and the interviewing for that job will certainly take place you would imagine over the near future and they will start looking to next season because football it, it doesn't stop it does not stop and Liverpool you know have the bases like we've mentioned they have a really good squad and they have to stick to Man City for as long as they possibly can even when Klopp moves out the building but yeah it, it's very surprising I, I can remember being in the studio with yourself for me probably a year ago and we were talking about him signing the new contract and what that meant for uh, yeah, Liverpool and thinking he was going to be there for another decade 2026 yeah, yeah. And thinking, yeah. here yeah. we go Guardiola and Klopp heading at it for the next five, six years. That is one thing that is, has struck me. But yeah, it's, it's a massive dent to Liverpool. I would also worry that maybe for the likes of Salah, who has been linked with moves away, mm-hmm. that he might think at the end of the season, yeah. Klopp's leaving. I've maybe done what I can at Liverpool. Maybe now's the right time with me stepping out, a fresh manager come in and have his own players. I could see something mm. like that happen as well. Maybe some of the more experienced players. Austin, elite players are a funny breed of people do you think that they're going to now put the shoulder to the wheel for Klopp yeah I, I think given the group that it, that he has there and what he's invested in them and like from an outside looking in you can see that he's such a brilliant connection with his players and he would have always struck me as a leader that wasn't a kind of a, a transactional result is transformational and transactional leaders you know a transactional guy is you're here to do a job and X, Y, Z, I need results. But transformational is, you know, he's transformed enough a lot of those characters, mm-hmm. their characters, their personalities, and he's really deeply connected with them. So that'll be the acid test, <clears throat> I think, off that. You know, how thick are those emotional cords built between those players, player and manager? And I, I really think that um, he's in a very strong position in terms of that. And, and I'm sure there's conversations internally within the group and the key leaders, even if there's a leadership team within the players at Liverpool, that there's definitely going to be conversations here to say, hold on, here now we've he's done so much for us like now let's 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 send him out on a high let's repay this guy and and, and get our arms around this energy and take it you know because obviously there will be distractions but there'll be a real acid mm-hmm. test of the club and of the player group now to see can they actually manage that yeah well I think very quickly it's moving into who is going to step into his shoes he was asked about it at the press conference today let's hear what Klopp had to say about his successor in this world we have you have a few in football especially you have a few faces most of the time as the manager of the club and um, people like Billy or others uh, who do an incredible job you don't see that often so that's just how you live this kind of business this job is slightly different but here it is like that so and it, it, it looks like that I do all the work I don't 
I don't. I can't, and I don't. And that means all the what we built over the last eight and a half years is an incredibly strong structure behind the scenes. So everything goes in the right direction. So that's a good news. That's one of the reasons why I can leave. Because my responsibility, my responsibility is so big. My, my idea was always to put everything in place and help with everything that we, that this club gets stronger and stronger and stronger. And we did that to perfection, no, but as good as we could. Um, that means so many people work here and will, with only one idea, to find a perfect solution for Liverpool FC. Well, I'm pretty sure that will happen. And the last thing they need is uh, is an advice from the old man walking out and tell them, by the way, make sure you take him, bring him, him in or whatever. And I will definitely not do that. Um, like, you know, most for most of the things I have an opinion and you will not believe to most of the things I still didn't say anything. So um, I have no problem with that. I wish... For the future, this club just the very, 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 very best. And uh, for now, I'm still here and can help them to achieve the best possible. So, Fergie, listening to that, you would think that there might be a bit of a plan in place. Do you think there is? And who do you think will be stepping into club shoes? Well, I think, first and foremost, there will have been wider planning going on. Um, as the guys mentioned before, their football particularly at Premier League level doesn't stand still even for, for Pep Guardiola or Jurgen Klopp it will obviously be ramped up now um, before the end of the season but it, it won't be an immediate decision there's a huge amount of football to be played between now and the end of the campaign and then there'll be pre-season there's European Championships as well Javi Alonso is obviously the name that's being mentioned by the majority um, in terms of bookies and and the media they would be pushing for him as, as the current favourite other than that, there's not really a name that is swirling around. Pep Linders was potentially mentioned that he could step in on maybe a short-term role for next season, but we now know that he's going to be moving on when Klopp leaves. The Alonso situation is, is an interesting one because he's contracted till 2026 at Bayer Leverkusen. They're flying high in the Bundesliga, they're top of the league, they're putting it up to Bayern Munich, but that can also change very, very quickly. We, we've seen in the past that Bayern Munich do come strong in the second half of the campaign they've got a fantastic squad lots of experience which Bayer Leverkusen and, and Jabi Alonso don't have um, I think a huge amount will depend on how Leverkusen finished the season whether or not Xavi Alonso is, is gettable for Liverpool Football Club because it is a risk in the sense that in terms of experience he doesn't have it uh, nearly as much as, as a Jurgen Klopp or a Pep Guardiola he is very much I wouldn't say a gamble but there's an element of rolling the dice on him because the core aspects of a top coach are there but he's very very unproven in terms of winning trophies and, and competing at the very very highest level but on the flip side to that there's not really many, many managers available that do fit that brief other than ironically someone like Klopp um, so I think Alonso will be the first choice he'll be the target that they'll go for but that could well depend on how Leverkusen end up at the end of the season. Paul? Yeah, I, I would agree with absolutely all of that in the sense that Chevy Lonzo is very raw. I could maybe see somebody like a Deserby. Now, that might depend on how Brighton go between yeah. now and the, and, and the end of the season, but his stock is very high and he's been transformative going into Brighton. And I think there's certain similarities the between the two clubs yeah. as well there's certain similarities and he could slot into that maybe head coach role. But outside of that, it's hard to, it's hard to really pick many mm. names outside of those two I think the, Xavi Alonso I could see um, Ancelotti leaving Real Madrid at the end of the season and that might be a bit more suited for Xavi Alonso I would have thought that style of football uh, you know, Real Madrid tend to dominate a lot more games it's probably a little less competitive than the Premier League 
that's where I would see him going if he had the options. Fergal, so what's Klopp going to do next? It's quite interesting that his backroom team are going with him. So we would nearly suggest they're going somewhere. I think there'll be a break. Um, I, I would be genuinely very surprised if he takes a, a job immediately at the start of next season. One of the things that he said today was that he will not manage again in English football. He'd never manage another team uh, other than Liverpool. That was that was quite a firm statement. So the the natural kind of uh, reaction would be to, to tip back towards Germany. Um, Bayern Munich, as we've mentioned there, who are being chased in the, in the Bundesliga title. Thomas Tuchel's stock has kind of dipped a little bit. There's, there's rumours of squad disharmony. There's also the potential of the, of the German national team job Julian Nagelsmann is he's only contracted until the end of, of Euro 2024 um, but I think there will be a break for, for at least a short period because again going back to his, his statements from today he he is tired he, he's exhausted in terms of what he's put into Liverpool over the last um, uh, well over eight years now so I think given the fact that the team are going with him, the, the backroom team, they will go as a, as a job lot to their next project. Um, but I don't think it'll be an immediate decision, particularly because those roles that he's been linked with, they're not instantly accessible necessarily. The, the Germany one would be an interesting option, but I think a lot of that is based on how Nagelsmann does at the Euros. If he impresses, that short-term contract might get renewed. He, he's still someone that is very highly thought of in, in European football. Um, but it, it just depends on, on the right project coming up for Klopp and what would likely be Pep Linders and, and the rest of his staff. But uh, I think he needs a break. I think he wants a break. We saw that with Pep Guardiola after Barcelona before he took the Bayern Munich job. Um, and, and I think it's becoming more and more common at the very, very top level of of um, European club football that managers will just take a breather step away wait for the right opportunity to come up and then re-enter yeah I suppose you'd put them in the category of in-demand managers would do that oh absolutely yeah and, and Guardiola did that and it worked out very well mm. for him but I, I can't see him taking a job anytime soon Marie purely on the basis like he's just put so much into that football club and so much into building it and, and keeping it and being successful that he probably does need a break and even like I know it's a, it's a job but like he probably needs to separate his identity a little bit yeah. from Liverpool as well because almost they're so brand. tied yeah. Yeah, together yeah, yeah almost on brand definitely yeah. I think Guardiola went to New York or he went very far afield to, yeah. to just mm. re-energise probably not a bad decision that yeah I, I, and the German one now I think that could be interesting because I mean not that I know a huge amount about international football but they do seem like nice jobs Paul yeah well they do and listen we, we speak about kind of the Irish job yeah. and some of the names that have been linked there but it, it's less taxing in the sense that you know you're not with the players every day on the pitch you're coming in for certain windows and outside of that you're probably identifying mm -hmm. players and looking at players and seeing how they fit into a system and maybe as you get later on in your career we look at Mourinho who's had such, such a successful club career maybe dipping into that side of the game and you could certainly see Klopp going into to, to Germany and making them successful further down the line so Fergal Klopp distracted us from the Lee Carsley saga and I think it's probably a good way to describe it because for the last few days I think the Irish sporting public and um, football fans everybody thought that he was in and then even this morning everybody thought that he was in and the latest development is that he's not in we don't know is he a little bit in or not in at all what do you think? I think he's a little bit in and a little bit out as it stands. Um, I think it, it reached a really important juncture over the last 24, 48 hours where effectively it became common knowledge that Lee Carsley's always been the number one option uh, to take over from Stephen Kenny. The FAI were confident that they got it done, that they'd agreed a deal with him, a contract, I think it was four and a half years that was offered to him. And now a report this morning from the Daily Mail has claimed that 
that's not the case. He's he's not said no, but he's not said yes. There's the potential that he, he's looking um, at the England senior job in terms of when Gareth Southgate steps away um, and one or two other options that, that could be available to him in, in terms of domestic football in England. It's frustrating from the perspective of uh, fans and, and journalists who've been, who've been waiting for an announcement to be made over who will be taking over and stepping in to uh, the, the breach after Stephen Kenny's departure. But the issue now for the FAI is that if Lee Carsley doesn't come in, it's incredibly difficult to repackage whoever does come in as not being a backup. Um, because up until now, it's been a case of or it could be anybody we're speaking to candidates yes this person's interested yes this person's interested everybody now knows that Lee Carsley's been offered the job effectively said yes but leave it with me and now if he turns around and says thank you but I'm not going to take it I'm going to keep my options open the next person to come in will know that they were the plan B and it's and it can be very difficult to sell that to to the individual to the players to the supporters um, so it'll be an interesting few days couple of weeks before we know what's going on um, I still think there'll be a renewed push for Lee Carsley I don't think it's dead in the water uh, but there, there'll need to be a bit of a charm offensive now to, to maybe negate some of the doubts that he was having uh, overtaking the job because he is the the number one target he's, he's who they've always wanted but whether it happens now it looks it looks almost 50-50 I thought I'd pie in my face yesterday because I've been very consistent with the fact that I, I didn't think Carsley would take the job on that basis that his stock is so high he's done such an incredible job with the England under-21s that potentially he would be in line for a bigger job any of the sort of bigger jobs that come up in the championship at the moment he seems to be top of the odds of, of being linked with that job and um, Southgate leaves in the summer like if he was to get that England job what an opportunity that is for him to go on and, and be successful and win major tournaments with that English side or if we're talking about a domino effect let's say for instance Deserby went to Liverpool you can absolutely see Lee Carsley going in and taking the Brighton job and whether we like it or not they are bigger jobs than the Irish <laughs> national team right now and if he if he takes the Irish job it's such a huge risk if he gets a bad group a bad run of results um your reputation your reputation, reputation yeah. and football can very quickly forget about you and then he's having to rebuild yeah. and before you know it you're in Saudi exactly yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fergal if not Lee Carsley then who? well the list I, I think the, the short list has been shortened uh, I think for the last few weeks it's effectively been Lee Carsley and Neil Lennon as, as the two main names involved with, with Carsley as I say being first choice and Neil Lennon who's publicly come out and, and indicated that he would be interested in it it'd be a project that he would look at and and um, be keen to getting involved with but I think we go back again to this idea of the backup the plan B Neil Lennon knows that he is not first choice um, and if it is to be him uh, potentially Roy Keane I think he's probably third on that list although I'd say there's a fairly sizable gap down to him the quotes from Roy Keane over the last couple of days I would say indicating I wouldn't I don't believe this idea that he's kind of put his hand in the air and said yes I want the island job you know I'd go back and do it in, in a heartbeat I don't think that's the case I think he's just kind of delicately said yeah you know if I was being considered this is something that I'd maybe go for but the conditions would have to be right the project the contract etc etc um, I think if it's not Lee Carsley I still think Neil Lennon is the name they will go for but there's also the potential that because if Lee Carsley says no because that was the plan then I don't think the recruitment process gets cracked open again but I think it could get widened again because the idea would be right well if we want a Lee Carsley type of individual then maybe we need to go and look a little bit further afield but 
my my sensation would be that because there are games coming up, uh, albeit friendlies in in March, that a choice will be made relatively quickly. Paul, it's even the thoughts of now going back to a longer list. I saw you shudder. Yeah, it it just makes me worry about the process in general, in the sense that you know we seem to be now we're we're kind of reading between the lines here, but that there was confidence that Carsey was going to take the job, mm-hmm. and this has been the main target for the FEI for quite a period of time and if they've had conversations they don't seem like they've been able to convince him that this is the job for him what also worries me about the process and I mentioned this during the week is that when you look at the the names on the list Lee Carsley is so different to Neil Lennon and he's so different to Roy Keane so what is it we're looking for? Mm. You know who is it we're looking for and what do we want from them because when I look at Lee Carsley I think okay modern day coach mm-hmm. on the pitch on the grass working with younger players Neil Lennon and Roy Keane big characters in the dressing room motivation mm-hmm. where's the link between the two I, I don't know I really really don't know and maybe there's names in between that we've missed along that along that interview process but that doesn't seem very joined up from, from where I'm standing and even um, for the communication like the messages it, it, it has got so messy uh, the narrative around this now the the perception that people don't want it, it it's just not headed in the right direction no, I'd agree. It's, it's heading in, in quite a worrying direction. And I'd completely agree with, with what Paul just said there, this idea of, well, well, what are we looking for? You look at the type of coach that Lee Carsley is. Obviously, Neil Lennon does have pedigree and he, and he has had successful spells in his time in charge at Celtic. And Roy Keane, you go all the way back. There were, there were good times at Sunderland before there was bad times. He has been out of the game a long time in terms of a head coach or a first-team manager role. Um but it does beg the question, as Paul mentioned there, of, well, what's the plan? Is the idea to get in a Lee Carsley-type coach that is has some similarities to Stephen Kenny in terms of wanting to develop young players and play in a progressive way and, and not kind of lean on older methods um, that, have, that have been synonymous with, with previous teams? Whilst I wouldn't completely undersell Lennon or Keane, you would imagine that a, a big part of that would be what they would look to aim for motivating the players getting them organised to get results and and get kind of tight wins and turn draws into wins and and that kind of thing Um, the worrying thing for me is if if you could then go further down the list it's a real wild card situation in terms of what on earth would some of the other names bring because if there's concern over Lennon and Keane maybe being a little bit out of touch some of the other names being mentioned are, are terrifying in terms of what they could potentially honestly what they could potentially bring what they could bring to the job they genuinely genuinely are Um, I I just think there needs to be a real push for Carsley in the next week or so um, because the other options beyond Keane and Lennon I think both of them do have some some credit to them if they were to be brought in but after that it it genuinely is a worry as to who might be a bit of a knee-jerk reaction to go for FA Cup tonight Fergal Spurs City Alan Cawley's gone to it but it's thrown up a few good good fixtures it has um, and Pep Guardiola has a, a really bad record uh, at Tottenham this, the cystic I can't remember exactly I think it's either four straight defeats or five straight defeats um, at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and, and if my memory serves me correctly they've never scored at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium so obviously Tottenham have changed managers a number of times during that uh, little spell and Pep Guardiola Pep Guardiola just hasn't managed to do it uh, I'm really looking forward to this tonight because we've had so much conversation about Jurgen Klopp and managers and, and that type of change um, we've almost forgotten that there's a big load of football this weekend Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Man City are in a position where they're defending the FA Cup they're defending it as part of their treble from last season um, 
but Tottenham seem to be clicking back into gear. They've got some really important players back. James Madison, I'd expect to start tonight. Christian Romero and Mickey van der Venne are fit as well, and they're so important for what Ange Postecoglou wants to do. It's very difficult to call this one because I don't really know what the reason is for why City have been so bad away at Tottenham. Um, and Pep Guardiola is, is such a methodical operator that he'll be absolutely kind of jumping up and down. I was going to say tearing his hair out. He wouldn't be tearing his hair out <laughs> uh, about why why that is the case because he, he probably doesn't know the answer himself. Carly's um, at Tottenham. And I think if, yeah. It, it, Carly's at the Tottenham game. Yeah, he's he? gone over Yeah, yeah. I was looking there, I was thinking he's definitely at Bristol City and no, Paris. No, no, he's gone over to this <laughs> one. a little roll there, a blanket at the Tottenham game. <laughs> yeah, he will be. Um, Chelsea are playing Aston Villa, Paul. You're not going to be able to watch it though because you've square for dinner. Am I right? Will you have the phone on the table? I'm in the doghouse as, as it stands me. <laughs> well, do you know what? what You're backing up one day. Though. I mean, come on. So we can review all of the FA Cup, Fergal. Thank you for all of that. That was great. Um, Paul, thank you as well for coming to the studio when you're supposed to be somewhere else. We're going to take a very quick break. Uh, we'll be back though because we need to chat Gaelic football. The Allianz League is starting this weekend. 2FM. Game on. GAA. Now, welcome back. It is time to look ahead to the Allianz Football League. It is upon us, Austin O'Malley. It Absolutely. has came pretty quickly and it is kicking off with uh, a lot of big games straight in uh, Division 1, Dublin Monaghan tomorrow and Kerry versus Derry. I think Dublin, we were probably expecting at the end of last season at the end of the after they won the All-Ireland that there would be some significant retirements there have been some retirements but this is not as significant as we expected do they have enough do you think to, to go Dublin yeah 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 no listen I, uh, absolutely and I suppose the fact that the guys are are are, are waiting on James Mack and Michael Fitzsimons uh, and Cluxon you know they're 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 definitely obviously there's been conversations internally I'd say and you know they're 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 definitely looking for that 10th uh, middle so that all bodes well for Dublin obviously they're three hu- huge leaders um, and they'd obviously leave a, a huge gaping gap if, if they did leave so I think they're well stocked they've obviously um, you know had a had a good boring cup campaign all be it that they were, you know, sort of blooding guys, and and it was really a kind of a third string that they 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 put out front and centre. So they definitely have got a good look at guys as well, and they add a little bit to their to their their cachet or their arsenal of talent there as well. So they're in a good position. They're probably odds on to retain it if if the truth be told, with probably the likes of Kerry and I would say Derry coming up um, in in the two and three spot. You can kind of nearly make a case for everybody, though, can't you? To when you look through uh, all of the teams in Division One, any of them could end up with it. Uh, the title at the end of the 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 season, but you don't even know if any of them want them wanted really. It'll be interesting to see how different people approach it. Uh, for somebody like Mickey Hart, the character that we know he has, yeah. he wants to go and win it. Absolutely, you know he's he's so, so like you know ultra competitive, and like that's going to be a cracking game down there in Austin Stack Park against Kerry the next night. Um, I suppose he gets to lock horns with uh, Jack O'Connor again, and they've mm-hmm. had such a you know a history in the past in terms of the Tyrone uh, uh, Kerry games in the past. But uh, you know, incredible to think that he he won his what thirteenth McKenna Cup last weekend, twelve obviously with Tyrone and one with Derry, uh, and to think that he's still going and still fr- looking fresh and and still really eager. So. Yeah. Um, Still wanting to win everything. Still wanting to win everything, yeah. and you know, is that just in you, Austin? Or can I, you develop that? I think it's 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 in you. It's internally. It's that drive. It's like yeah. a drive shaft uh, that's internally in these guys that are kind of you know so driven and and you know the epitome of of, of high performance when you think yeah. of it. Like, but the character as well, you know. I see with the kids now, and and, and you, their parents would say, "Oh, they're so competitive. They want to win." But it's the kids that want to win every ball is the ones that I see the competitiveness because everybody wants to win. Yeah. But if you actually want to make the winning happen by going after it, and for me, that's Mickey. 
hard. He wants to win everything, it's, every ball. Absolutely, and like, and you can see that that's what he's instilled in in, in those mm-hmm. old Tyrone teams as well. I suppose that, that that got across the line in those All Irelands as well. That every ball did count, and mm-hmm. you know, everything was personal. Every battle was personal. Every ball was personal. Everything was very very personal. And I suppose um, that's what he's brought to these roles, you know. And I'm sure, like, he's the, that's the nature of the individual. Even though you know he looks very very stoic on the line. Um, it's you know you can still know that mm-hmm. there's like a there's a volcano underneath there's an aura an absolute yeah. aura yeah of him and a volcano just ready to go underneath as well but um, you know he's been such a, a brilliant character obviously um, but they will be in hot pursuit and to be it, like it, I just think it brings a, a, an extra sort of layer to the championship with him involved with Derry this year and seeing can he get them across the line like it would be incredible to think if he did um do that but um, I'm sure Jack O'Connor and Desi Farrell and Jimmy yeah. McGuinness and these other uh, big characters top, big, big yeah, characters yeah, like, like the Premier League now uh, absolutely <laughs> like when you look across it there the, some of the we've some great personalities yeah. and great characters managing teams and even with the, the reshuffle I suppose at the start of the year there now as well with Raymond Gallagher coming to Cavan mm-hmm. and J- new Ger Brennan bringing new energy and Jimmy McGuinness back in again so yeah it's, it's, it's going to be a really interesting uh, National League and it's a competition that has like gained great pace over the last years in terms of even attendance and numbers and that in gates like it's a really I suppose given the fact even the Division 2 side yeah. of it now with the 16 teams having to get to See, first oh, so you've got evenly matched teams playing each other That's, yeah, that, <laughs> that's the trick that. who'd, who'd have ever known <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Who'd have ever known Kerry though uh, you know you oh. mentioned Jack O'Connor there they're going to be starting without the Cliffords and the season I mean that surely brings an opportunity because there's nothing sure than in Kerry there has to be a few diamonds there waiting to come out of the rough. Yeah, like without a doubt and this is a great opportunity. Obviously he's going to rest the two guys and they've been incredible in terms of what they've given I suppose over the last sort of 24 months between club and inter-county and everything but there is definitely so like you're looking in there like at young Dylan Gainey he's kind of put his hand up there maybe during the McGrath Cup even the likes of Dara Roach coming back in a guy that showed a bit of form previous until he uh, Got a got a nasty injury, you know, last year and, and took him out. Joe Connor coming back in, yeah. uh, adding a little bit. So I'm sure Jack is looking to find something through this league yeah. that he Particularly can. Particularly in the middle. Yeah, in a the middle. middle. Yeah, with a, partnership. Yeah, yeah. because um, it's such a like a, we know it's a, it's a battleground, but something that'll give him a little bit more punch in in, the, in that sort of middle third. And obviously, if he could unearth something that would take a little bit of more pressure off, maybe Clifford and O'Shea yeah. up front as well, um, would 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 definitely strengthen his hand. Galway and uh, Mayo on Sunday that one at uh, quarter to two in Pierce Stadium it feels like an interesting one because like Mayo have had a bit of a topsy-turvy start to the year yeah. uh, Galway Shane Walsh obviously uh, going really well for uh, Kilmacud Crokes this year from what we've seen or this uh, club championship just gone but you get the sense you don't really know where both of them are at yeah there's a bit of uncertainty around it I suppose Mayo's form definitely has been really really patchy and like again like obviously didn't feel a huge strong team against that London uh, result was a little bit of a mm-hmm. surprise and you just begin to see you know um the, the development cycle where it is at the moment in terms of Mayo and, 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 and what are they going to bring you to the table this year the Galway I think conundrum is might be their hand is probably strengthened with the return of Liam yeah. Silk and Kieran Malloy they, those are two two big characters and I think maybe a re-energised and refreshed um, Comer as well I don't think he was at full tilt last year in, in terms of injuries and so on so I think probably Mayo from a league perspective this year maybe need to pace themselves a little bit more they probably had a great bounce from Kevin McStay coming in last year and they kind of hit their straps early and went on and won it um, I don't think there'd be a, like obviously highly competitive and um, you know gain your retain your status there but I think there's probably the league will need, mean a little bit more to Galway this year I think just given maybe the way they petered out last year as well in, 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 in championship and 
particularly getting those couple of guys back again um, should should definitely strengthen their hand also. Tyrone Roscommon is the other one on Sunday and again it's one of those where everyone's going to want to get off to a good start. Yeah, like and we look at Roscommon last year under Davy Borkley they mm-hmm. flew out of the traps and did uh, a couple, you know, three wins nearly on the bounce, and that 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 gave them the platform, I suppose, to to keep them in the division where most people would thought that it, they might have ha, have gone down. Tyrone on the other side, looking at them, a little bit of a conundrum. They've lost a couple of big, big players again. Niall Sludden, Rona McNamee gone, you know, and those are big, big characters from uh, in a dressing room there as well. But Tyrone being Tyrone in Healy Park, you you, you know, you can never bet against mm-hmm. them. So you'd probably think that they do enough, even though Roscommon looked very sprightly um, last weekend albeit beaten a very, you know, weak or, you know, sort of, you could say a development squad really of Galway. But they had all their big characters out in the Smith at Al and they all looked really, really sharp. So um, it'll be a great test for Tyrone up there. But um, you'd, you'd feel that maybe Tyrone will, will just do enough in Healy Park as they always do. There's stories in every division and there Division is. 2, I think, is one that's going to garner a huge amount of attention when you throw in Jimmy McGuinness, Kieran McGinney, you mentioned Raymond Galligan, um, there's Cork, Louth, Ger Brennan, Meade, Kildare... Yeah, like a lot of big characters in there. Big, you look at the management ab- teams of all of them. Yeah, and this one I think like above the division one is obviously the cut and thrust. But yeah. there's so much going on in this division too, and there's so many characters, and there's so many little subplots, and 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 so on. Particularly as I've said at the outset with the the sixty, you know, everybody trying to be in that sixteen for mm-hmm. Sam and so on. So a couple of cracking ties there. Obviously the Donegal Cork game. Um, you know, it'll be really nice to see, really, you know, what Donegal are about now in this first uh, in this first national league game. Cork, couple of injuries. I know Young Powder is out, and Sherlock. I think Kevin O'Donovan. So their hand is weakened a little bit. I'd expect Donegal to come through that. Our man Loud. I would be tipping probably out of the division. You you you'd think maybe Donegal Armagh could would be the ones that would potentially go up. Mead have a kind of a free shot in a way because yeah. they're Taltine Cup. Yeah. Uh, so that should maybe take a little bit of pressure of them. Kildare now, like they, you think they have the personnel to be able to put together as a consistent yeah. season. Yeah, I suppose you've tipped on it there. Consistency has been their Achilles heel over the last uh, number of years, and, and trying to get a, you know, that level of consistent performance across games and the consistency in results is one thing, but the consistency in in, in different players um, you'll be looking for uh, across the board. So, like they're 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 first. Uh, outing there against Cavan you've obviously we said Raymond Galligan coming in will be looking to get off on a, mm-hmm. on, a, on a really good start it's a Kildare is a home game they obviously don't have a home venue because I think they're operating out of yeah. Netwatch uh, Net, uh, Cullen Park so and I know they have obviously I think it's Neil Flynn and Daniel Highland are out as well so there's an opportunity for Cavan there to, to, to turn them over but um, I think Glenn Ryan if anything he will be going hard and fast after that idea of consistency and performance to try and because that we all know the talent pool is mm-hmm. there in Kildare there, yeah. uh, absolutely yeah. in terms of what they've won in, in under 20s and 21s coming up through the last number of years so it's time I think this is a really really important year for them to, to galvanise and do something you know and make, a, and make a push for it Okay Asti thank you so much for coming in and for giving your insight on all of the topics that we've had so far we're going to let you go we're going to take a break we still have tennis and racing to come so stay with us. RTE 2FM Game on on 2FM Yeah, welcome back. I have to say that the Australian Open has absolutely flown by. Stephen Higgins has been with us all throughout setting the scene for every game, reflecting on results and previewing what's to come. And we are going to continue with that today. The Australian Open finals are upon us, but we're going to have to look back first because Novak Djokovic was knocked out, Stephen Higgins. I know, can you believe it? Novak Djokovic lost and lost in Australia. 
of all places. So Novak, who was 10-time champion, um, was looking for his 11th title, has never lost a semi-final in Australia. Uh, succumbed to Yannick Sinner, who is the world number four in four sets. Very odd. Uh, Djokovic called it one of the worst Grand Slam matches he's ever played. He lost the first two sets, 6-1, 6-2. It made nearly 30 unforced errors. There was a bit of a revival in the third set, which he won by tiebreak, and you thought, oh no, it's happening again. Novak <laughs> is doing his thing. But was flat again the fourth set. Way too many errors that you'd, than you'd expect. Incredibly, for the greatest return of all time, without question, he didn't even get a break point against Yannick Sinner in the entire match, which is just unheard of. So Novak is out. Maybe reality is somewhat setting in. For yeah, we veteran. thought he was uh, invincible there for a while, but not so much. So now Yannick Sinner is going to play Daniel Medvedev, um, an opportunity for both of them. Which one can you see prevailing here? Yeah, it's an interesting one. So the head-to-head is actually 6-3 to Medvedev. But Sinner has won the last three uh, and they played a number of times last year. You have uh, Yannick Sinner who will try to be the first man, Italian male, to win a Grand Slam in almost 50 years since Adriano Panada in 1976. And then Daniel Medvedev will try to be the first Russian man to win a Grand Slam since Daniel Medvedev in 2021. <laughs> uh, Medvedev is way more experienced at this level. Obviously, he has lost to Nadal and to Djokovic in Grand Slam finals. He's already lost two Australian Open finals, so maybe he'll go one better this time. Uh, uh, the favourite would be Medvedev based on experience but Sinner is really the rising commodity in men's tennis and I think I said before I think he'll be the next new major champion on the men's you side You did say that Who's he like? If you're, I know you can't compare you know, it to anybody was actually mad even watching with Djokovic the influence of Novak Djokovic on the modern player it was like clones at wow. the sliding out to the corners on the stretch the open stance backhand so he is very like Djokovic in certain ways he's definitely the you know they've taken in the influence of Djokovic mm-hmm. as a playing style but he has his own different quirks and interests he's a great serve which helped him massively against Novak Okay we also have the women's final Kinwing Jen versus Arena Sabalenka Yeah so here we have Sabalenka the defending champion you know easily one of the top two players in the world she's been absolutely superb all fortnight in Melbourne hasn't dropped a set her biggest challenge was Coco Gauff in the semi-final but again she won in straight sets and then you've got Kinwen Jen who is already a Chinese icon but is will be new to most listeners because she's mm-hmm. only just breaking into top 10 had a great end to the year I've been following her for a few years she's like technically like a fabulous player she had to fight to get through but she also took advantage of she was in the top half that Iga Shiantek and Elena Rybikin had exited early so she was the one who took advantage mm-hmm. of that all um, helps yeah, this would be kind of interesting. They've only played once before. Sabalenka beat her at the US Open quarterfinals last year. You would favour Sabalenka just based on her experience and her level that she's reached. But Jen is definitely here to stay. Like, she is a superb <laughs> player. Amazing. Yeah, first, first names, I like that. Yeah. Um, okay. Stephen, thank you so much for that. Um, appreciate it. And you might come back and talk to us after the weekend. Yeah, sure. Always a pleasure. We are going to turn our attention to racing now. Um, Jane Mangan is standing by. How are you, Jane? I'm well, and I'm now up to date with the Australian Open. <laughs> and I hope all the Jurgen Klopp news, the Lee Carsey news, the Gaelic football as well, everything we've been talking about. I'm, my, my mind cannot cope with all of the sporting knowledge that you have to deal with. I will just concentrate on the horses okay well if you could do that for us that would be great I know that there is racing across the water this weekend Jane yeah so obviously all Irish racing fans will be thinking of the Dublin Racing Festival at Leopardstown next Saturday and Sunday this Saturday and Sunday tomorrow we have action at Fairy House and on Sunday we will have action 
at Nace, but the main quality is centralised in the UK this weekend. Cheltenham tomorrow, very interesting racing, including the Cotswolds Chase. That's a Grade Two race. That's attracted six runners. There is an Irish uh, protagonist in there with Capadano for William Mullins and Paul Tannen. But I'm looking at the likes of a Royal Pagai, who's formerly placed in a Gold Cup, won the Betfair Chase last time. You're looking at the likes of the Real Wacker, who won the Brown Advisory last season, but is it a little bit out of form in his two runs to date? Then you have the novice Stay Away Fay in there against Open Horses. He won last year's Albert Bart at Hurdle, of course, for Paul Nichols and a Hoist Newer. Will he keep his jumping together? I'm just not convinced that that horse can go all the way to the top over fences in open company. The Clarence House, of course, it's rearranged from Ascot last week, which was frozen solid. El Fabiolo stays at home to go to the Dublin Racing Festival, which leaves the door wide open for John Bond. Now, what's interesting about John Bond is, of course, Aidan Coleman, his regular partner, is out with a knee injury. His other regular partner, Nico de Bonville, is out after returning from a collarbone break, which he did after around 20 days. He came back thinking that maybe Constitution Hill was going to run. He obviously didn't get it, give it enough time because he's had a recurrence of that injury during the week after riding a winner. And that leaves the door open for James Bowen to come in for the big ride. A huge ride, an opportunity for him on John Bond in the Clarence House chase against Editor de Gite, Elixir de Nuts and Nube Negra. Uh, also on that card, it's the return of Lossy Mouse, the filly that won the Triumph Hurdle last year for Willie Mullins. We haven't seen her since she won at the Punchestown Festival. She's in against Love Envoy and Rubo in the Unibet Hurdle, but that's the main um, Irish contenders at Cheltenham. You must also mention, of course, Harry Cobden taking the ride of Noble Yates for Emmett Mullins in the Cleave Hurdle. The former Aintree Grand National winner looks like he could be going down the stairs hurdle route with a view to going back to Aintree. Over Doncaster, Willie Mullins sends a pair of protagonists for the Grade 2 Mayor's Hurdle. Ashro Diamond currently top of the mark for Patrick Mullins. Gallimar so a classy novice uh, a juvenile hurdler from last year. She's in there under Danny. Mark Walsh comes in for some very nice spares because, of course, with Nico de Bonville being out, He's coming in for the likes of Jericho de Repine a half an hour earlier on that Doncaster card. He takes the ride on that really classy novice hurdler. He's one of the top horses in the Supreme Novices at the moment. He's running in that grade two at Doncaster at 1.30. I will be going to Nace on Sunday. I will be wrapping up. It is looking like it's going to be a good card. You've got the Galway hurdle winner, Zarak de Brave, running in the limestone lab hurdle that's the grade three you've got tell me something girl reverting back to hurdles from chases and that you've got the novice chase the grade three novice chase in there with Kerry national winner desert more house in there the paddy power winner meeting of the waters and the exciting let's be clear about it who was placed in the drinmore chase which is working out very very well that's all on the nace card as well so you know marie if you're not busy well, you've set that up usually beautifully for us, Jane, and I have loads of questions to ask you about all of the form, but I'm out of time. But I hear you're back in next Friday. Uh, you're in studio next Friday to look ahead to the Dublin Racing Festival. But that is all we have time for, I'm afraid. Thank you so much, Jane, as always, for joining us. Um, we're out of here. Blonda Tracy is up next with the official chart show. RTE 2FM.